from Hollywood Pictures. I was coming about the nanny position. Her plan to make this family her own. She seems terrific. Wants to catch you. Can I fix you something? One by one, she will charm them all. Fade's been great. I don't know what we would have done without her. All of them, but Claire. You don't know what she's capable of. That's enough. Where is she? I'm the mother in this house. The hand that rocks the cradle. Rated R. Sneak preview Saturday, January 4th. Welcome to So What's the Problem, where we rewatch a movie from our youth to determine it's, if it's problematic by today's standards. I'm Jen. Sorry, I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Jimmy. Uh, today we'll be discussing The Hand That Rocks Cradle, which was released in the US on January 10th, 1992, in Ireland on April 17th, 1992, and in the UK on April 24th, 1992. It was written by Amanda Silva and directed by Curtis Hansen. It stars Annabella Ciora, uh, Rebecca De Mornay, Matt McCoy, Ernie Hudson, Julianne Moore, and Madeline Zima. Jimmy and I have thought of three problems the movie has, three each, and we'll discuss them. We also will each have a positive for the movie, which I guess I need to come up with, because I, I always forget about the positive. You do. <laughs> and the synopsis is, after learning that Claire is the reason behind her husband's death... Which is not true, but whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Mrs. Mott decides to become a nanny for her son in order to destroy her family. Yeah, that's not a that's not a um, real synopsis. It's not a true synopsis. Is what I should say. Um, Jen and I haven't recorded in about four weeks, so we're both kind of <laughs> <laughs> need to get used to it again. Yeah. So, what is your history with this movie? I I don't know why I did this, but I. My mom had the novelization of this movie, and I uh, stole it from her and read it, mm-hmm. and it made me want to see the movie, so I rented the movie. And and sometimes I wonder, like, was someone like my mom when she bought a novelization, because that happened a few times, did she know it was just, like, a novelization and not, like, a book that the movie was yeah. based on? Anyway, I watched it a bunch of times when I was little, but I hadn't seen it since probably maybe high school at the most recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always, I always really liked it. This is my jam. This kind of movie. So yeah, what's your history? Uh, I saw it once when it was out in VHS, and mm-hmm. I think that's the, the only time I've ever seen it. But I remember things about it. Cause I have that weird thing in my memory where I, I can remember things that happen in movies if they are significant things. Like her death, for example, mm-hmm. and her saying the the R word to Ernie Hudson's mm-hmm. character. I remember those two things, um, but I can't remember what I had for my dinner yesterday. Now that I'm thinking about it, I mean, I knew who Julianne Moore was in high school, but I may have even seen it more recently, like a few years after that, because I know I know I've seen it since I knew who Julianne Moore was, but I probably mm-hmm. didn't know who she was until I was a teenager. So, because I definitely remembered her death. Yeah. I don't think, but yeah, I do remember that as well. I did remember. I don't think I, I know who I knew who she was at the time. No, I definitely didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I knew her. I recognised her in uh, the Fugitive. 
I saw the fugitive in the cinema, mm-hmm. and I recognised her watching that because I remember thinking, "Oh, I think I've seen that actress before. That looks like a cameo in the fugitive." Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't. It was like one of her first roles. She was in the fugitive. Yeah. Okay, I've She's seen it doctor. once. So uh, yeah, like ten years um, ago. So I don't. I remember it was very good, but I don't remember it very. Yeah, well. it's very good. Um, but she was in that, and I remember seeing that in the cinema and thinking, "Oh, I, I know that actress," and it must have been from this. So I saw this first and then The Fugitive because that was a couple of years after. But yeah, it's the only time I've seen it. Maybe I saw it, caught it on TV at one point. I'm not sure. Maybe. Let's just jump into our problems then, Jen. And what is your first one? Well, first of all, I was having trouble coming up with problems after I saw it because like for this genre, it's just like a really solid movie. And then I was talking it over with Dylan and found my other two problems I was like, oh, maybe I should be talking things over with him if I have problems, uh, coming up with problems, because yeah, it yeah. didn't... And he'd never seen it before, but he knew so much about it. It was real fucking weird. Like, he knew about the greenhouse, and he knew about the breastfeeding, and I was just like, how do you know... Half of it he knew from references on Family Guy. So, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> My problems go closer to the end of the movie, so I'm trying to decide which one... I, I'm going to go with um, how fucking smart and observant people are in movies that Julianne Moore sees the wind chimes and is like, ew, gross wind chimes and mm-hmm. finds out Peyton gave them to them. And then she's looking at this picture and just happens to notice the wind chimes in the picture and like connects it all as though yeah, those aren't pretty generic wind chimes for people to have. Mm-hmm. And then she figures it all out from there. Like that's insane. That you think that's a problem? Is the problem not the fact that everyone else in the movie is fucking stupid, <laughs> apart from Julianne Moore? It's just I like I'm ha- look. I'm having trouble coming up with problems because yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and then you've got to be one of those episodes, folks. It's I honestly because here's my problem. I thought for sure the Ernie Hudson character. I thought Solomon was going to be a huge problem, but yep. Solomon. Nope. And I looked, I Googled, I tried to find any kind of article or think piece, like anything about him, Mm -hmm. his character. Mm -hmm. And if it is problematic to people, it must not be that problematic or else I would have found something. This is a popular movie that I couldn't find anything. Yeah, I looked as well. I mean, obviously today that, well, that character probably wouldn't be in a movie today. And if it was, they would make sure to hire, they would probably make sure to hire someone who was mentally disabled. Um... If they didn't, you would definitely hear about it because people would be angry about it. But watching the movie, I'm like, I mean, Ernie Hudson does a good job. It doesn't seem like they're making fun of anything. He's, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of the hero of the movie. Like, the way she, Peyton treats him, it's um, just showing how evil she is. It's not making fun of him or anything. And I was like, oh, this isn't, I thought for sure there would, I would find a big problem there. And I just didn't. Nope. So uh, I was kind of thrown by that. And I know the yeah. movie was accused of being misogynist by some people, but I don't totally understand why. I don't know. No. Um, so, because, like, supposedly it's, like, preying on, like, you know, women who, like, go back to work after having a baby and, like, they're nervous about leaving their kid with someone else. And I'm like... No, and it's, like, no one in the movie treats her like she's bad for, like, having this woman watch her kid while she's building this greenhouse. Like, at no point does it seem like any, like, that it's a bad thing that she's doing this. Yeah, I have one problem with that, 
but it's nothing to do with the fact that she's building a greenhouse. It is a bit weird that she's building a greenhouse because that's that's not a job; it's a mm. hobby. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into that in in my second problem. But yeah, it, it was difficult to find problems here. Yeah, but it was it was hard to come up with problems. So I'm just like Julianne Moore figured it out with very little information. Yeah, <laughs> and, I know. Um, but I don't even have that much of a problem with it. I was just having trouble coming up with problems. That's probably my silliest problem. Um, yeah. Is just I watch movies, and part of the problem is I'm incredibly inobservant. So mm-hmm. when I watch people in movies figure stuff out on so little information, I'm like, that would never be me. <laughs> I would yeah. never figure that out. <laughs> I'd be like, oh look, wh- I wouldn't even notice the wind chimes in that picture. Yeah, you know. Although I guess there's also the thing like it's on her mind, like she sees she knows whose house it is, so mm-hmm. she knows there's a connection, and she knows she doesn't trust Peyton. But yeah, yeah. see that's it. The- that's the thing, though. It's like Peyton isn't exactly hiding a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's she's kind of stony faced a lot of the time, and she is. She comes off as really cold, scary eyed. She comes off as cold, but she also does a good job of like, like when I watch it, I believe, like especially the scenes with her and Claire. Mm-hmm. I believe that you would think she was cool, that she was, like, fine to leave with your kids with. Like, even though she was yeah. kind of cold, like, she is good with the kids, and she Absolutely. she's friendly, very friendly with Claire in a way where I'm just like, I buy this. Mm-hmm. I get it. I, like, I don't uh, think Claire looks stupid for trusting her. No. Right. So my first problem is, did we need to, did we need the miscarriage scene? Yes. Like, did did but did we need the ho- the hospital scene though? She could have just uh, fell down and then, um, that, you know. Well, the thing with the hospital <laughs> scene is that's where we find out she had to have a hysterectomy. So it's not just that she lost her baby, but that she is now incapable of having children. I know, but you could have found that out while lying in hospital. We didn't have to see the actual, you know, heart on the hospital bed and the blood, and we didn't need we didn't need that. I don't I don't like that sort of thing, but. You know, mm. her falling down and then her being in hospital, you know, it's fine. It's that her lying in the hospital bed. That mm-hmm. that should have been that should have been it. We didn't need to see the other part. <laughs> That's just a bit sort of much for me. But the thing is, I will say this, the good thing about them um showing us all this stuff with her at the beginning and like making it like hearing the doctor or the nurse or whatever talk about how she had to have a hysterectomy like mm-hmm. all that information we get at the beginning um means that she doesn't have to give a whole speech at the end of the movie explaining her motivations which they often no, do know. in these movies and uh i find that a little refreshing because they only do that for the sake of the audience no i know but they could have told her while she was lying in hospital they didn't need that's yeah, that's true. They didn't need the whole heart lying in the hospital bed with blood on her gown, and mm-hmm. yeah, we didn't need all that. Yeah, it just seemed like a lot happening at once to the one person. Mm-hmm. Her husband died. He murdered murdered himself. He killed himself because he committed suicide because he was a scumbag, and he got mm-hmm. caught. His wife has a miscarriage at the exact same time when she finds out and then someone might as well have ran over her cat. I did read one article that was talking about how, um, like, you know, they pile all that stuff on so we can see why she would be, like, go so crazy and, like, go after Claire. 
but that also all that stuff, especially the hysterectomy, makes her seem too sympathetic to where you're like kind of sympathizing with her for wanting to go after Claire. Yeah, because you're not supposed to. I don't necessarily agree with that, though. Um, I mean, maybe at the time I agree with that. But watching it now, it's like we, we're we not going to be victim blaming in 2023. Like, we're not going to be victim blaming um, Claire. No, she didn't do anything. Yeah, but at the time, like, maybe maybe people watched it differently. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I think, like, back then people probably saw it that way that that they were maybe trying to set her up to be sympathetic as well, and um, you know, they were trying to two sides it, mm-hmm. which is kind of you know fucked up. But um, uh, but now it's like, nah. Did you actually think of a a second problem yes. then? Yeah, this is actually a big problem I had, which is like, and it seems so stupid, but it really bothered me. Um, so the baby's nursery is so bare. Like, there's nothing <laughs> on the walls. Like, I I have no... One... I, like, I know that Claire was annoyed that Peyton came in and, like, put in that, like, wallpaper trim or whatever. Mm-hmm. The room fucking needed it. That room mm-hmm. is so bare that there were actually scenes where it would show her in there where I'm like, are they moving out? Like, did, yeah. <laughs> did somebody steal all the furniture? What's going on? Like, it was a really boring-ass room. And mm-hmm. it... Like, to the point where it actually really bothered me and confused me a couple times in shots, I was like, what room is she in? Because it didn't look right. Um, yeah. But then what also doesn't seem right is there's a fireplace in there, and there's, like, a fire, what do you call it? Like, a fire poker mm-hmm. in the baby's room? Yeah. Really? That's not safe. <laughs> like, I feel like everything she was doing with the nursery was, like, not cool. And I, I did read one piece that was talking about how contrasting and i hadn't thought about this they were contrasting like there's this woman who wants to have a baby really bad and can't mm-hmm. and then she comes to take care of this woman's baby who like the woman is so busy with a greenhouse that she doesn't take care of her own child i mean i get the i get the idea i don't totally agree that like she's ignoring her child or whatever um it's just that women don't like to give up everything just for their baby but looking at that room i'm like does she care about the baby? Like, there's, like, no personality there. Like, and that's, I know one of the first things we thought of when when we found out I was pregnant is we wanted to decorate the room. Like, we wanted to get the nursery ready. And we, you know, got stuff for the walls. And it's just, I don't know. It, th- there was a, l- a lack of warmth in that room that I felt it needed. And also don't have a fireplace, like, poker right there. I want to ask you a question before we get to my second problem. Okay. My second problem leads on from that, but I have another question. Is like, see that a lot in TV and um, film. It's the baby has its own room with its crib in the room, and is that is that normal? Because my experience is that the baby sleeps in with the parents in the crib in their room for like the first like year or at least. It really depends. And I do think that, um, as far as I know, that is a more recent thing, like, these days where people have the baby in the room. But she also has a nanny who can get up with him. So, I don't know. Yeah, well, that just leads into my second problem, then, is is why did they hire a live-in nanny? Why does she have to live there? And the only reason I could think that she has to live there is because... The plot says so, yeah. because she has to be there all the time to do her bad deeds. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that Claire is building the 
greenhouse to, to do something because, you know, she's just had a baby and she wants to get, you know, she doesn't want to sit around the house constantly, so she has a nanny, but that's just a hobby. That's not a job. Mm-hmm. And what you were saying about the, the nursery, it's like she does seem to just sort of, not that she doesn't care about the baby, it's just that she doesn't seem to spend a lot of time with the baby. And it's not as though she's suffering from um, uh, postpartum depression or anything. Yeah. They don't say anything like that. It's just it's just oddly written that she's just kind of ignoring the child because she has a nanny now. And then the nanny's staying over and the nanny can look after the kid during the night. And, it, you know, it just seems a bit weird to, to hire a living nanny of someone you someone you don't know um, just because she's good with the kids. Well, when you're uh, wealthy, <laughs> you can, you can, like, and I... Yeah, fair enough. I do love the depiction of a woman who, even though she has kids, even though she just had a baby, like, that she still has other interests. Because the thing that sucks about having a kid is that people treat you like that should be all you care about. Mm-hmm. Like, that your baby should be your whole world. Like, I remember when Xander was a baby, I would go, you know, my friend was having a baby shower. And so I went to the baby shower. And everyone I saw there was like, well, where's Xander? And I'm like, well, I left him at home. And they're like, why? And like, you know, well, first of all, it was weird to them that the that Dylan was just willing to like watch Xander because unfortunately so many men don't stay home with the kid that much. But mm-hmm. it was also like, it was expected that I would be bringing him. Like I would go to events like that and people would be shocked he wasn't with me. And it's like, I don't, if I brought him with me, I'd be watching him the whole time. Like, I want to, I'm here to socialize. Like, I'm here to yeah, exactly. to see my friends. And why should he be here with me all the time? And it's like, you're expected, like, that that should be all you talk about. Um, mm-hmm. I have people that I meet that they're shocked I have a kid because I didn't talk about him immediately first thing. <laughs> and I'm like, I have a kid. Like, I love my kid. But... There are other things I have other interests. There are other things about me. Yeah. And it and one thing that like I noticed in the movie is it's not like she's like, I'm gonna ignore my kid and make a greenhouse. It's more of an opportunity. Like she sees that this one place is getting rid of their greenhouses. And mm-hmm. she's like, I could get this frame and I could do this. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a spontaneous thing. It's yeah. not like her being like, I need to find a project to ignore my baby. She's like, I want a greenhouse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, no one gives her shit about it. And I appreciate that. No, I don't, um, I don't disagree with the greenhouse. I just disagree with, um, Peyton staying over because it's like, you look after, you can, you can look after your kid during the night. You can look Mm -hmm. after your kid at night time. It's okay. You don't need someone to look after your kid 24 seven. And I don't know, like how common that is. That's my thing is I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm not in the income bracket where i would know if you get a nanny like do you get a live-in nanny just because you can afford it yeah it might just be like a matter of convenience i don't know i don't know how common that is but yeah i wish they'd given us a reason why she needs to be living yeah i'm glad it didn't go down the the, the postpartum depression route though i'm glad it didn't do that mm-hmm. um i think if this is written by a man i think they might have done that well, and that's the thing is like watching it, I was very aware that it was written by a woman. So I was trying to notice the differences. And I think that the mother being allowed to have a hobby and nobody seeming to judge her for it. Yeah. I don't know that a man would necessarily write it that way. And it's also, if it, I think if it were written by a man, 
uh, she would have seduced Claire's yeah. husband and we would have had some sex scenes. And there were no sex scenes. Yeah, he turns her down, mm-hmm. the husband, and he says that he is only there's only one woman for me. Um, he loves his wife and is, is like, there's absolutely no way I'm going to have an affair with you, lady, piss off, kind of thing. Mm. And I do think if it was written by a man, again, it's that whole sort of wish fulfillment thing, isn't it? Yeah. That sometimes happens in movies. He probably would have at least kissed her and then shoved her away and went, no. Yeah. It's not happening. But he doesn't even do that in this, which I appreciated a lot. There's a moment, like, when he catches her in the kitchen at night where, like, you get the feeling he's appreciating how attractive she is right Mm -hmm. the movie makes it clear like he does find her attractive but that's as far as it's gonna go yep i i appreciate that because these kinds of thrillers there's usually some gratuitous sex scenes that are ridiculous and it's also one of the obvious ways you would ruin this family right like that's one of the obvious ways you would ruin claire and that it just like (laughs) does not work and that must piss her off even more that like she can't do that and that even when she tries to like lie and and make it seem like they're having an affair that like no one seems to really be buying it yeah yeah i mean it was directed by a man but he clearly sort of he clearly saw the script and was like right well this is the way this is going to be because the only nudity in the film is breastfeeding yeah which is a natural thing Mm -hmm. and the examination and claire has an examination and it's and he's briefly see her breasts mm. when she's do- taking the robe off and it's like well that's a natural thing because she's seen a doctor who's you know supposed to be checking her mm-hmm. <laughs> checking her up not checking her out but it's never sexual no 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 that's and, what I mean. yeah, no. yeah 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 but it's not no but the other thing is that neither claire or the husband are are dumb right they're mm-hmm. not stupid characters but they do they are quite slow on the uptake mm-hmm. But that's because this is a thriller move and they have to be. Yeah. Once once everything is sort of revealed that that Peyton is, you know, a psycho and they get her to leave the house and the husband is kinda like, Well, uh well that's it, it's over with. But then when once Claire says, No, I think she rigged the rigged the uh, uh, greenhouse for me she was planning and killing me. The husband mm-hmm. is like, right, we're moving to a hotel. Yeah. And I liked that. I appreciated that. He's, God, he's such a good guy. Like, not only would he not cheat on her, mm-hmm. but he also is very supportive. Like, he never says, oh, you're crazy. I can't believe you think that. Like, when she tells him about the doctor, he's like, well, that's wrong. And you should do something yeah. about it. And like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't push someone to do something <laughs> if they don't want, like, report something if they don't want to. But like, he makes really good points. And he he never is like, do you think you're, is like, no, you're just misunderstanding. You don't know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Like, he he's very, very supportive in a way that like, there have been a couple of situations where I was followed by someone, like followed home. Mm-hmm. You get the feeling like tr- telling men what happened, like, they don't believe you. And they're like, no, you're just imagining that this happened. You're just, you know, that didn't really happen. And it's like, well, no, it did. And um, so the fact that he's so supportive of her, I was just like, I kept waiting for this guy to screw up. And he was just really, he's just a good guy. Yeah. That Solomon thing. Did you know that Rebecca DeMornay, it was not scripted that she slaps him. She just did it. Oh, right. She just fucking slapped Ernie Hudson. 
Right. And he was like, what? Like, his reaction is real. And it, he was glad it works for the character. But afterwards, she was like, was that too much? And he was like, what? I mean... I guess it's not because you did it. (laughs) I I watched an interview with him this morning where he was just, apparently he was just very shocked that that happened, but he was like, she gets so into her character. She gets so into the performance. (sighs) But yeah, that was, that was kind of surprising. Yeah, I did. I was kind of like, where's the father's reaction to the Solomon thing? Um, yeah. It. Oh, I'm so glad he got to be the hero of the end because I couldn't remember what happened with him, and I like mm-hmm. really needed Solomon to like be vindicated because he's such a sweet character, yeah. and his relationship with the daughter is so so sweet. And um, in my the fan fiction in my head, they let him live with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he becomes part of their family like that's what i really really want in the end yeah he's allowed to he's allowed to carry the baby at the end because yeah. they trust them so much yeah which is lovely but the did you notice that peyton peyton dies by getting impaled on the fence that solomon built yeah i'm like well they got to keep him around because he's got to fix it yeah, not not just that, but like she was horrible to have yeah. and set him up, and then she died on the fence. That yeah, he built. <laughs> yeah, he got his revenge. Man, and she didn't need to set him up because he looked like he knew to keep his mouth shut. Yeah, yeah, she fucked up with that though. I mean, that just goes to show that she. I mean, she's smart, but she's not. She was just like, I'm not, not taking f- chances. I'm just gonna yeah. nip this in the bud right now. Yeah, but he probably wouldn't have said anything yeah. anyway. Yeah, because he looked terrified of her. Yeah, so he, he he she did mess up there because if she didn't do that, because that's when things just start to sort of crumble for her. Oh, and by the way, there are people who like have recently or maybe still used the R word, and they're like, "Oh, I didn't know it was bad. It hasn't always been bad." Blah blah blah. This movie is what well, this is ninety two, right? Hmm. The fact that your villain is saying the R word, like, it's very clear yeah. that is supposed to be a bad thing. That, yeah, like, it's an insult. She's using it as an insult. This, so, so yeah. this is, like, 31 years ago. And I remember mm-hmm. even watching it at the time knowing, like, what she was saying was bad, even as I was probably around the age where I was still using the word to mean, like, that's stupid or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I understand, like, we can't pretend this is a new thing, this word being a problem. Because, yeah. like, this movie shows, no, we knew. We knew. Um, unfortunately for a lot of kids like me, it's like, we knew, but we're still doing it because the other kids were doing it, and kids are idiots. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was not okay then, and it's not okay now. No. And it just made her look so much worse, her using that word to his face. Yeah. Have you said your fur problem? Nope. What's your fur problem? Come on, would that really kill Marlene? See, I thought that as well. Right, if you haven't seen the movie, um, Peyton has rigged up the uh, the greenhouse to for the, the windows of the greenhouse to smash in the roof and all the glass fall on someone and it falls on Julianne Moore's character and she dies. Unless it, like, maybe dug into her head or something, mm. like a shard of glass hit her in the head. But I think she was quite protected, the way she was bending over. So I don't think that would have killed her. I mean, it would cut her a lot. <laughs> She'd have a lot of mm-hmm. cuts. But I just don't... It, it wasn't believable to me as something that would actually kill her. 
Yeah. And I was a little frustrated by that. She, she We see her and she's getting the glass on her and she's bent over and so the glass is hitting her back. But when we see her dead body, she's lying on her back and she's got blood in her face. Mm. So it's not. it doesn't really match up with... But yeah, I don't think she would have died in that. She would have been cut to fuck, but that could have been there, you know. She was cut up and then she went to hospital. Mm-hmm. She couldn't... I mean, she, it's not as though she could have said that it was Peyton. But then again, she could have said Peyton did... Uh, yeah, fair enough. She had, to, she had to die, I suppose, for the... Someone had to die. In this kind of movie, someone has to die. Someone has to die. I'm surprised it was just the one person yeah. that she kills. Mm-hmm. My for problem is... This movie is fucking depressing. <laughs> it's still a good movie, um, but I just think it's just kind of bleak. Well, I mean, I think one of the biggest problems with it being depressing is that, I mean, the thing that we do see in these kinds of movies is usually the acting is a little over the top and things get, you know, kind of cheesy or like the Lifetime, like this is the kind of movie that like they would do on Lifetime, right? Or at least in the 90s, it was always TV actors who weren't necessarily known for their acting, like uh, Tori Spelling or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the acting in this movie is actually just good. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and it's subtle, like it's not over the top. And that that makes it more depressing because it just feels more real. Um, because no one's being yeah. super cheesy or anything. No, absolutely. Absolutely. This is a bad pick, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> But it's an interesting one to do after a movie like Fear, when so much of it is kind of ridiculous, yeah, and and over the top and unrealistic. Like it's it's interesting to me to to compare and contrast two movies in a similar genre um, from, mm-hmm. from a similar time. It's a good movie, but it, it's it's not a good one to talk about on this podcast because this is this is a thriller that is done right as opposed to like. I mean, fear has its moments, but it's not a good movie. Uh, this was this was Amanda Silver's first movie as a screenwriter. Didn't she write it in film school? I think so. She married her. She married her husband, and her husband was a producer, and then they became a a, a screenwriting team. Okay. Now they write movies together because they they wrote um the live action Mulan, mm-hmm. all of the the. The, the more recent Planet of the Apes movies, mm-hmm. and they are writing the Avatar sequels with James Cameron. You know, when you look up somebody who writes a movie like a thriller from the 90s or whatever, like usually mm-hmm. you look up their career and it's not very impressive. And then I looked her up and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, she writes blockbusters. She writes blockbusters now. That is insane. She also wrote the 1996 um, revenge thriller An Eye for an Eye, mm-hmm. which is also bleak. And sort of realistic because it's a it's about Sally Field whose daughter whose daughter gets um raped and murdered mm-hmm. by Kiefer Sutherland. She 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 goes to uh seek justice because he gets away with it. Um, and I can't pick that movie because it's just out of my time limit. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have picked it anyway because going by this, it would just be you know bleak and nothing really. But the daughter in that. Can't remember the actress's name, but she was in the Torkelsons. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I know who you're talking about Olivia Burnett. I think yeah, her name is. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, that's the daughter who gets raped and murdered in that movie, and she was also in two episodes of Quantum Leap. She was also on an episode of Wings. Yeah. That. Yeah. Why do I know these things? Why is that information I keep in my head? Like, I don't know. I'm in school, 
And there, I was trying <laughs> to think of just a couple semesters ago what class I took, and I couldn't remember. I was totally blanking. I can't remember a class I took less than a year ago, but I can tell you that the girl from the Torkelsons was in an episode of Wings, and she played like violin or cello or something. My brain is stupid. <laughs> I just wanted to add that fact. But this, I mean, this movie was a hit. Yeah. Yeah, this movie did really well. Yeah, and a budget of around 11 million, it made 140 million worldwide. Mm -hmm. And it was number one in the box office for four weeks. One piece of stupid trivia I kept reading that I didn't think was really important was that like, or actually, I guess it's kind of important, but the way it was framed on IMDb was not. It was that um, Rebecca DeMornay really, really wanted to play Tinkerbell in Hook and um, Julia Roberts got cast instead. But the thing that made the trivia stupid in on IMDb was that they said, and then Julia Roberts went on to be called Tinker Hell on the set. And it was like, like the trivia seemed to be like, but then the person who got it was evil. But yeah. what is interesting to me about the fact that, because it was like, she didn't get Tinkerbell and she was really disappointed. So her next thought was, I'm going to go for something dark. Like she was purposefully mm-hmm. going after something dark. And what's interesting to me is that when um, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle opened, the opening weekend, it knocked Hook from top position. Mm-hmm. So, and that's yep. that, I, that must have felt good for her that like this movie she really wanted that she didn't get, that her movie mm-hmm. then knocked that movie out of first position. Then The Hand That Rocks the Cradle was knocked off the top spot by uh, Medicine Man starring Sean Connery. Which was also distributed by Hollywood Pictures, like this movie. It's a good time for Hollywood Pictures. Well, and the thing is, is like, this is one of those movies where whenever I think about, um, like, these kinds of thrillers from the 90s, I think about the fact that they're usually, like, a punchline. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. kind of like how, like, my husband knew plot points about it because it was made fun of in Family Guy. Like, <laughs> people make jokes out of, like, single white female and hand that rocks the cradle. And sometimes I forget that that doesn't necessarily mean the movie is bad. So when I looked at Rotten Tomatoes and I saw it had a 66% and with the audience it has 61%, I was like, mm-hmm. this is just a good movie and I didn't know. Yeah. And a lot of people would argue that. And I'm talking about genre. Like, if you compare it to all the movies... <laughs> that exists mm-hmm. yeah it's not the best but like in this genre it's just a good movie it's a good thriller movie mm-hmm. it does a lot of things right in the thriller genre and it does things that watching it now you don't expect to be in a thriller movie from 1992 yeah it's not just that the husband doesn't question oh did this really happen but it's like mm-hmm. this movie makes it seem like people actually take sexual assault seriously <laughs> which even today isn't always the case yeah absolutely and but there's I I was looking at an article um it's from Fishnet Cinema the it was called the victim blaming hand that rocks the cradle by Liz the librarian mm-hmm. and I don't I mentioned it earlier um with her talking about how like the it was trying to show both women as victims of trauma and it like maybe makes Rebecca De Mornay a little too sympathetic and I. I get what she's saying. I don't necessarily agree. Mm-hmm. But I do. Um, I forgot I had screenshot this and I was just like looking through my stuff. Um, so like I said that I was glad there wasn't a big monologue at the end with Rebecca De Mornay. Yeah. But I do like that it says here, this movie needs a scene where it comes full circle where Rebecca De Mornay accuses Annabella Siora of ruining her life and allows Siora to rightfully respond with, no, your husband did. Yeah right before she like shoves her out the window and i'm like oh that's right like there does there should have been a moment where it's like no this was your husband this wasn't yeah, this yeah, yeah. woman like Absolutely. i wish I, I so i do wish but that that even could have been done without like a massive like you know those monologues are often ridiculous and i think that they yeah they've given us enough information in this movie where she doesn't have to 
go like too deep into it. Yeah, I mean, even if just out of nowhere, Rebecca the Morning just shouts, "You did this, you did this, mm-hmm. this is your fault," and then Claire just goes, "No, your husband did this," and then just shoves it. If it was just short like that, that would suffice. She doesn't need the whole monologue thing, which is good. That mm-hmm. didn't happen. I I read so many articles for this, trying to find anything about like people's opinions of Solomon, and I couldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. Like most things I read, hardly mentioned him, and if they did, they were just like. Ernie Hudson's very good. Like they didn't mm-hmm. nobody said anything bad. But uh so one of the things I read was a Washington Post review from from ninety two. And can I tell you can I read you a line that made me laugh out loud? Mm-hmm. Like I was blow drying my hair while I was reading this and I laughed so hard and Dylan looked at me like I was weird. It's it says, uh, basically De Mornay is Glenn Close with baby lust and oh my god, it's fetal attraction. <laughs> <laughs> That's like it's the last line in the first paragraph. It's just the fetal attraction. Fetal attraction. It yeah. really got me. Oh man, I love that. I just I've I haven't laughed that hard at anything in a really long time. That's not what I expected in like a Washington Post review. I wanted to share that with you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. So, what is um what is your positive then? It probably is the the subtlety of the movie in comparison to other movies from the genre. It's l- little things like yeah, we see Rebecca DeVornay clock Marlene's purse. Mm-hmm. They don't think we're stupid. They don't show her taking the lighter out of her purse. Mm-hmm. They like obviously like once um, Claire pulls it out of her husband's pocket, like you can figure it out. Mm-hmm. But it's things like that. It's things like not having the huge monologue to explain everything to us or any point in the movie where it's explained to us. They give us the information we need at the beginning in a more natural way than these movies normally do. Mm-hmm. And we understand. We understand why she hates Claire and why she's going after her. It just, there weren't any huge moments that seemed really over the top to me. Yeah. Um, I like that it doesn't have the cliche of the husband falling for the nanny and we get that he's a good guy without them being like oh he's such a good guy over and over or Mm -hmm. anything like that like this movie is just more subtly written than than a lot of movies in the genre in the 90s and i appreciate Mm -hmm. that i appreciate watching a movie like this and not being treated as though i'm an idiot other writers might have had like the husband confront the doctor or something Mm -hmm. for what he did to his uh his wife or um, the husband going after Solomon, mm-hmm. punching Solomon or something like that, but it doesn't happen in this, and I, I, I like that he understands things. He mm-hmm. doesn't like go off the handle and you know, uh, watch revenge on himself and on certain things. He's just like, right, this happened. I'm sorry, this happened. Um, I will support you. Yeah, the husband's just like a supportive, good guy, mm-hmm. but he doesn't seem weak or anything no and in movies it's very rare to see that it's very rare to see like a man portrayed as being a good supportive husband without him seeming like it being like kind of like a weakness or something Mm -hmm. like that's more like how my husband is and i don't feel like i see him in movies you know what i mean like that's that's not something i see very often Mm-hmm. And a lot of the subtlety, like it's not just the script; it has to do with the actors. Like the actors are just really good in this movie. They do a real they mm-hmm. they they're playing it real. They're playing it natural. Rebecca De Mornay, like honestly, she doesn't need to do much because her eyes. There's something about those eyes that are creepy. That yeah. like <laughs> she doesn't have to. She doesn't have to like come off as looking creepy. Like I feel like she plays cold and 
somewhat warm very well like she's good with the kids like there's no there's no question of her being good with the kid and there's they also didn't do that thing where it's like she we see her be good with the kids until she's alone with them and then maybe is shitty like you get the feeling she probably would have been a good mother yeah had she had her child it's just it's a more subtle movie than i expected it to be yeah my positive is um, Solomon, mm-hmm. because in hindsight, it's easy to dismiss this performance because it's a mentally healthy man playing an intellectually disabled one. But the way it's written and the way it's portrayed by Ernie Hudson, he makes Solomon incredibly likable and sweet. Mm-hmm. And there is absolutely no doubt in your mind that this that he is a good person, he's a good man, mm-hmm. and he would never hurt these kids ever. You get that? Like straight away there's no doubt in there there's no doubt in your mind that Solomon would protect these kids and it's just the performance is just so good you would think that coming from a 1992 movie that it might be a bit sort of dodgy mm. and oh uh, you know that's a bit sort of over the top or whatever but no it's, it's a really good performance and you really root for him like the movie would be Absolutely. so much worse if after he was fired you didn't see him again yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's so great that he gets his moment at the end of the movie. And also that his character, like, mm-hmm. it makes it clear his character knows he needs to keep a distance. Like, he's keeping an eye on them because he doesn't trust Peyton. Yeah. But he's not, like, it's like he's following them, but it doesn't seem stalkery. You know what I mean? Like, that he's, yeah, he's, no, he's keeping, keeping an, an eye on them. them. Um, But he kind of knows... He needs to stay away. Yeah. I was really surprised at how much I love that character. Um, Ernie Hudson yeah. was so good. He's so good. It's, that is the best Ernie Hudson performance I've ever seen, I think. Because in everything else I've seen, he's basically just the same sort of character. Mm-hmm. But here, he's actually he's actually acting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, um, and yeah, it's so good. I, I I was watching this and I started watching it and I remembered that character that was in it and I was I was kind of like you I was like, mm, is this gonna be problematic? Is this gonna be? Am I gonna be? You know, mm-hmm. but no, it was great. Yeah, it was it was a lovely performance. Yeah, yeah, so good. The only other note I I've actually managed to go over all my notes, but the only other note I have is <laughs> um, Madeline Zima. After this, she did the movie Mr. Nanny, and then she was on The Nanny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. It's funny. Nanny shit for her. It is funny. Um, I only have two more notes, and one of them is, you want to feel old? Madeline Zima is currently 37 years old. Oh, Jesus Christ. So. <laughs> yeah, no, you look at pictures of her, and it's like, oh, like, you go to IMDb, and it's like, oh, she's a sexy woman now. That's not right. Yeah. She's in um she was in Californication yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. My last note is Justice for Marlene. <laughs> that was also a good character. That was mm-hmm. someone who was like someone else writing this probably would have made it like Marlene was constantly going on about Peyton. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It would be like there'd be there'd be more than one scene of Marlene saying to Claire, I don't trust her and then Claire going, Oh, you don't be silly, go away. But that doesn't happen. Well, she she does it on her own. She does the whole sort of uh, investigation thing on her own and it gets her killed. Well, and I think somebody else would have written it to where maybe there was a scene where, like, it looks like she and the husband are too cozy. Like, something else mm-hmm. to make you believe that they would be having an affair. But it's like, mm-hmm. there wasn't any of that. It's like everything that 
No. Like, everything Peyton does is completely manufactured by her and not based on anything in real life. And that's, yeah. that's interesting because in a lot of these movies, it's like the person coming in to disrupt things takes advantage of, like, suspicions and stuff that are already there. Um, problems yeah. that are already there. and But the there were no problems in this life. The only reason Claire thinks that her husband is sleeping with Marlene is because Marlene's lighter was in his jacket or whatever. Well, and because he also was clearly lying to her about what he was doing, but what he was doing was planning the yeah. surprise party. Like, Peyton's a genius. Peyton knows what she's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But it's also because of the fact that there is a history between Marlene and the husband mm-hmm. because they did used to date years and years and years ago. Yeah. And they say that. They make a point of saying that because the kid tells Peyton this and that's what plants the seeds in her head mm-hmm. to, to set that up. Um, and she pushes for the party and she pushes for him to, to set up the party. So then that would make Claire suspicious that he was doing something. is very clever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she is a clever character, but Anyway. Yeah, this was a bad pick. This is a good movie. I had a That's a good movie. I expected it to be so much worse. I there's so many mm-hmm. that here's the thing, and I'm not look, I'm not trying to brag or anything. Because I know I loved a lot of bad shit when I was a kid. Yeah. But the thing I've learned in picking out movies for this is like mm-hmm. my taste was actually pretty decent for a child. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why I have to pick shape. That's why I have well, to see, pick it bad helps movies. that you were into action movies, which at that time were mostly really cheesy. But even that, like, I watched these mm. movies and I expect to hate them and I like them. Like, yeah, I, exactly. It's maybe maybe our problem is that we just like movies too much. Like, we are not, you know, it. the internet is filled with people who just hate on shit all the time. And that's just not in our personalities. Yeah, this just end this podcast. <laughs> um, let's just never do this again. This is the first episode of um, year four of the podcast, but it's also the last one. <laughs> so thank you all for no. Um But right, so we'll see what my next pick is because uh, we'll see how we react to the next pick because next week we are covering a movie from 1985 that stars Michael J. Fox as a high schooler. Uh, we're doing Teen Wolf. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay, I'll have plenty of bad stuff to say about that. <laughs> I watched it for the first time like 10 years ago and I was like, uh-uh. Yeah, we're covering Teen Wolf. Okay. Um, I hope people listening to that thought I was going to say Back to the Future because that's also 1985 starring Michael no, J. Fox I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. You've made, it clear, you've made it clear you don't want to touch that one. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not talking about my favorite movie ever. No, that's <laughs> not happening. <laughs> That's all we have time for. If you want to follow the podcast, it's at Drop the Pilot Pod on Twitter. Um, and shiftybench.co.uk is the website. Contact at shiftybench.co.uk is the email address. Where can people follow you online, Jen? I'm at Pilot Inspectors on the dying app called Twitter. And <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Excellent. Thank you all for listening, and we'll speak to you all next time. Bye. Bye.